Okay, people. Yes, yes, yes. Paying homage to, you know what I mean? The unique MF Doom. And people, we're bringing you something a little bit different. Yes, yes, it is the return of Mike Harrington. He joins me today, and um, we're looking ahead. We're looking ahead at fights, champions, all that good stuff, people. It's another fun chin check, baby. So sit back, relax, and let's get down with the flow. Let's go. Okay, people, we are back with another chin check, and we've got Mike Harrington back in the house. Good Mike, thanks for dropping by, man. Dude, thanks for having me, man. It's always a pleasure. Cool, cool. So, um, last time out, we just had submissions to cover. I think that was all that was left, yeah. Yeah. Did a good job last time. Yeah, we we did cover pretty much everything, right? So, um, man, trying to remember all those friggin' submissions from, uh, yeah, this past year. I guess some of the ones that jump out, obviously, are uh, the most recent situations. So we got Davison Figueredo against Alex Perez in his first title defense. At UFC 255. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Glover Tixera over Tiago Santos um, at UFC on ESPN 17, where he got a rear naked. Dude, the uh, Brazilian zombie. Yeah. Glo- Glover is just, man, he's been on a tear this year. He really okay. has. Dude, uh, he's been on a tear of just getting his ass beat and still winning. Well, that's the crazy thing. Because there was that point where he came into UFC and I think, uh, I don't think he was unbeaten, but I think not many losses. Yeah, I mean, I remember it was like one of those things where it was like he was clearly ready to come over to the UFC in like, I want to say like 2010 and he had to wait like an extra three years because of visa issues or something. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was a weird one because it was visa issues, but he was he'd still fought in the US a good few times. Right. So I'm looking here. He started his career in the WEC, right? Mm. On one start, then the loss to Ed Herman um, at I think it was Strike Force. Um, so stri- bouncing around between Strike Force and uh, WEC, and then I'm looking here. I mean, it was just down to Brazil, and I think yeah, he was just stuck in Brazil for quite some time, didn't end up getting back uh, to the U.S. until 2013. And he came over, yeah, with that 19-2 and two record. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, sorry, no. He was fighting, he fought uh, Rico Rodriguez in his last fight in Brazil, and that made him 17-2. and two. So that was 2011. Uh, but yeah, I remember a lot of people were talking for a long time, like, yeah, this might be the guy to take down John Jones. Yeah, because he was, he was training with Liddell, so he was in the pit team. And that, you know, you'd always hear that. You'd always hear that Glover was the man. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, came to the UFC, went on a little bit of a run, fought John, lost. Then he, it was just that period of where he'd, you know, be doing okay in a fight and then he'd just get 
caught. Like, okay. get caught, and it was kind of over. And now he's, like, he's found that way to, uh, you know, come back in fights. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, the, the Gust, um, sorry, the Smith fight was, like, a perfect example. Right? I mean, honestly, if you go back to the Alexander Gustafson fight, like, that's a pretty good indicator, right? Like, that is, I mean, he went five rounds with Alexander Gustafson getting level with uppercuts over and over. And that was just an accumulation of a knockout in that one. I mean, obviously the one punch KO against Rumble, anybody has one punch knockout power, but like, yeah. dude, that Gustafson fight standing in there with him for 21 minutes of, of a possible 25, just getting pieced up on the feet. It's like, Oh, this guy's got a head made out of cement. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, so to show that in the Anthony Smith fight where it's like, he was getting wrecked early in that fight and he just kept coming dude like that um you know and then same thing with the santos fight just getting pieced up on the feet but just never quit never say die yeah it's uh man it's kind of phenomenal especially for the age he's at right because you know liddell he started to get a bit you know what i mean like you touch him and he goes out Right. So you, you, you kind of would have thought that Glover might be going in that direction, but no. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yes. I mean, well, it's like, it, there's the other side of it too, where it's like, okay, you coming into this year, uh, you had the Carl, like he, he had the loss to Carl, Corey Anderson was his last loss in 2018. No shame in that. That was a guy yeah. who essentially fought a number one contender fight this year against Jan Blokovic. So uh, not mad at that. Uh, Carl Roberson uh, got the win there. I, I genuinely don't remember that. Um, yeah, I don't remember that fight really at all. Uh, the Kudalaba fight, I for sure had picked Kudalaba in that fight. Uh, the Nikki <laughs> Thrills fight, um, you know, like that was a split decision. So it's like, you know, who knows on that one. But Anthony Smith was certainly picking Anthony Smith. Tiago Santos certainly picking Tiago Santos. So it's like at every single turn, he's, you know, beating the, uh, the naysayers and the critics. So. Um, you know, it's a, it's, it's pretty awesome seeing where Glover's at, where going from last year where he's fighting Nikita Krylov uh, to a split decision versus now where it's like Dana White's like, yeah, he, he probably should be the number one contender, but we're going to screw him over in favor of his team. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough, but I kind of feel that Glover, after all the damage he has taken in those last few fights, sitting a few months out, wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing. Yeah, that's fair. You know? But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in that situation. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, looking at it now. So it was like it was six months between the Anthony Smith fight and the Tiago Santos fight. So we get another six months, um, you know, and he fights again in May. I'm, I'm not mad at that either. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I don't know if we would get Golova in you know, February, March. I, I don't know if it, he'd do that quicker turnaround, you know. So kind of having Izzy against Yan kind of makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, so we, well, I mean, UFC 254, right? Khabib Gaethje. You know, Khabib just wrapped Gaethje up in that rear naked. Whew. Like he nearly had him at the end of the first round, and then the second round, it was, it was over. Right. I mean, 
you know, like that, that I do, there is something about it. And like, this is something that I've always respected about Holly Holm, something I certainly respect about Bisbang, like that idea of like, I'm not tapping out. You're going to have to separate me from my consciousness. You know what I mean? Like mm. I will die rather than submit to another man. <laughs> yeah, it, it is definitely a uh, gangster way of going out. <laughs> For sure. And, and you kind of feel that Khabib, you know what I mean? He, he, he took the nice option in that fight, right? Because... Yeah. Gaethje was just like, I'm not going to tap. I'm not going to He can break my arm. I'm not going to tap. So he was just like, all right, I'll just put him to sleep instead. Well, that, that's an actual thing that, that... Did you hear Khabib's quote on that? Yeah. I mean, he said, like, his mother and father were in the crowd. I did not want to maim their son in front <laughs> of him. Like, that's the scariest thing I've ever heard in my life, dude. That is terrifying. Yeah, and, and I think with some people, you, you put it down as hyperbole, right? You think, mm -hmm. hey, he's just saying it for the quote. But with Khabib, you believe it. You go, yeah, no, he, he, that's what he did. Yeah, like 100%. I think that man could do pretty much whatever he wants, whenever he wants. So, mm. you know, God bless him. Yeah, indeed, man. Uh, so on the same card, we had... Shavkat Ramanov, um, he tapped out Alex Oliveira to be the first, I think he's the first Mongolian UFC fighter. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd believe whatever you say. I mean, this is way over my head, dude. <laughs> uh, then uh, UFC on ESPN Plus 36. We had Mackenzie Dern against Randa Marcos. So Dern got the nice sub in that fight. Sick. Uh, UFC on ESPN plus 30. Ariana Lipsky with the... I think it was like the leg lock. The, the horrible leg lock against Luina Carolina that I think crippled her leg. Ugh. That was just nasty. A little rough to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking here. The, the, the only one, if I'm going to go with, with a chick, uh, I think, you know, the, the, while that was pretty brutal, I mean, I mean, Mackenzie Dern pulled off the first leg lock submission in women's MMA history. So it's like if we're going with a women's leg lock finish, you kind of got to go with the originator, no? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that she she yeah she did wrap up Hannah Cipher pretty nicely. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's Which, like I mean, you know, she, and and it was interesting to me in that fight. Hannah Cipher actually looked pretty decent on the feet against Dern, and then she oddly decided to just walk into like she knocked her down, or maybe Dern pulled guard, but she like just walked into her guard, and it was like, now you're done, kid. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I forget how they got to the guard, but I do remember that there was a moment where Cypher could have stepped out. Yeah. Could have stepped out, but she, she did not. Unwise. Yeah, it's definitely been... Because Cypher isn't a bad fighter. No. Right? But her last few losses had been due to her ground game. Was it? Wait, what was her last loss? Um... Mallory I Martin, I believe. 
I remember Hannah Cyphers has had a pretty fucking rough year, dude. I'm looking at this year. I mean, January gets TKO'd by Angela Hill. Yeah. Uh, and Elbows then, on the ground, I believe that was. But brutal. Yeah. Um, then, you know, came back on Fight Island, got knee barred by Mackenzie Dern, <laughs> came back two weeks later. Um, you know, uh, was that on Fight Island as well? No, that was in Vegas, back yeah. in Vegas, right? Uh, boom, gets caught by uh, Maria Adjapova. And then uh, Mallory Martin again. Yeah, so it's like, you know, submitted three times in, as in four months over the summer there. That is a rough year for that poor girl. Yeah. She, if she doesn't get cut, she needs to work on that ground game. Because that has been just a horrible, glaring, glaring shortfall for her. Well, I mean, what what are we doing here? I mean, she missed weight in her last fight. She's two and five in the UFC. Like, she 100% should get cut. Like, that is not a UFC caliber fighter right now. That's the kind of girl where it's like, yo, and her one of her wins is a split decision against Pollyanna Vienna. Like, go, so like, that to me is like, you are not done baking yet. You know what I mean? Like, you need to go to a regional <laughs> promotion and, uh, you know, just go do your own thing somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's tough to say, but there are a few fighters like that that have probably got to the big show a bit too early, a bit too early in that development. And, um, you know, stepping aside a minute, you know, recouping, working on those skills outside, it's probably going to be the best thing for them. But whether that happens, who knows, man? Who knows? Hmm. I mean, well, it's one of those things where it's like, dude, I mean, we saw it with Anthony Smith getting cut by the UFC and then coming back later on. Uh, uh, wasn't uh, uh, the older Russian dude who uh, has like all the, not the Ezekiel chokes. He's got, uh, what the hell is his name? Uh, Alexei Olenek, maybe? That, he's Ezekiel. Is he Ezekiel? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. He's the Ezekiel, and the other guy is the uh, Bomb Proof Choke, um, OSP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he was another one who, he was, if I'm not mistaken, right, he was a, no, he was an old Bellator guy, and then eventually <clears throat> a UFC guy. No, I mean, there is a few examples that we looked it up, uh, we looked it up on BYM not too long ago, where it's like, there are these guys who simply like, you know, they go out there, they hit that regional scene. I mean, dude, Brandon Moreno. Brandon Moreno, perfect example, got cut by the UFC 18 months ago, and this year is fighting in arguably the fight of the year, you know, yeah. in the UFC. Like, getting those couple of fights in LFA, winning that title in LFA, uh, cementing his legacy as one of the best outside of the promotion, I feel like it brings you back in with some hype, and people are excited to see you. Oh, no doubt. Like, no doubt. And there's been some older fighters, you know, who we've seen get cut – and be out for like seven, nine years, but make it back, make it back, right? And, and you see those improvements, you know, you definitely see them. So I think that, I think now he did win, but someone like Chase Hooper, I, I, I think it, it would be a decent thing for him to go back to the regionals. Didn't but, he just win his last fight, though? Yeah. yeah. It was that late submission. Yeah, against Peter Barrett. Yeah. But he, his stand-up was horrible. Was it? 
Like he was getting pieced up on the feet. Okay. I mean, apparently though, he's heading to Tiger Muay Thai in Thailand. Um, so to work on that striking. So it's like, you know, I mean, why, like if you're in that situation where you, I don't know, it's, it is weird because it's like, there is a certain part of me that's like getting cut by the UFC. If you're still that young in your career will only make you, I mean, he's the youngest fighter uh, in the history of the promotion. Right. So it's like yeah. being, being that young in the promotion, like that's, you know, getting cut that young is certainly going to like, I feel like light that fire under your ass and, and, and motivate you that much harder. But at the same time, it's like being in the UFC, having those three letters attached to your name as a fighter opens doors for you and, and, and has guys willing to train with you that, you know, I mean, if you were, you know, some also ran in some regional promotion, they might not return your phone calls. Yeah, there, there is that. There is that. But I, I kind of feel that he does, like, he works with Askren. He's worked with Ryan Hall. So I think those people would work with him still. But going to Tiger Muay Thai, that's, that's big, mm-hmm. right? So, I, yeah, I think that will be definitely be beneficial for him. So if he doesn't take a fight until, say, April, May, right, I, I think that would be a great thing for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You're coming off a win though. You don't, well, yeah, I guess if you're, if you're going to go and spend that time there, you've already committed to like doing it for the holidays. It's like, you're, that's such a long flight. Like you're not going there for a week or two weeks, you know, (laughs) spend some time out there. Like learn, learn your shit, kid. Yeah. Um, Yeah. All right. I mean, that's, I mean, there was one you didn't have on this list that I really liked for submission of the year. Um, And that was, uh, was it Jimmy Flick? With the flying triangle. Oh, gosh, yes. Pretty, pretty badass, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, because that was... Was that the last card or the card before the... The, no, last? the last card of the year. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, was, that was slick as hell. Mm-hmm. That was definitely slick. Yeah, I will say that. And also, Aljamain Sterling against Corey Sanhagen at yeah. UFC 250. I mean, to me, it's, it's, I'm not gonna lie, like, you know, I, I hate to say recency bias or whatever, but it's like, I know those are the last two listed, but to me, it's between those two, right? Like that Aljo submission of Sanhagen was an, it was just a thing of beauty. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it, he just, I don't know. Uh, for me, last year's submission of the year was without a doubt, you know, my boy Bryce Missile, Mitchell with that twister. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, and, and there is just, I don't understand jujitsu at all. Like as somebody who's like started to roll a bit now, it's like, I realize just how lost I am on the ground, like <laughs> just how suffocating it can be, just how much every single muscle in my body is firing for absolutely <laughs> no reason. It's so scary, dude. Um, you know, so being able to do that at such a high level is, it's always mystifying to me and I never know how to judge these one against the other. But as far as just, you know, the, the, how clean that looked. Um, I, it's hard to beat that in my mind, you know, that, that, that Aljermaine Sterling, uh, uh, submission against Sanhagen against a very high level, very dangerous opponent, no less. Oh yeah. No, Sterling takes it from me because firstly, the importance of that fight, right? That was a number one contender fight, right? And Sterling just threw it on straight away. You know, straight away. Just move you know, right. And, and that was just 
how so crazy. And as you said, look, we've seen Sanhagen be in an armbar that <laughs> was fully extended. You know what I mean? And you're just like, yo, his arm's going to break. His arm's going to, referee, stop it. And then he escapes. Right? So we've seen him do that. So the fact that Sterling was able to lock that up so fast, whew, yeah, he takes it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't hate it. Cool. All right. Well, I feel that brings us into 2021 right now. Right? I'm good. And there is, man, there are so many big fights that have already been announced, okay. right? We've got Holloway v. Cater as our first main event. And I feel first huge-ass fight, right? So we've got that. Now, just like I had down Leon Edwards against Kamzat Chimovev, but um, yeah, oh, okay. that, that's not happening. Nah, dude. Of course, dude. We're not allowed to have anything fun in 2020. <laughs> Everybody knows that. So I, I think um, a question is right now, who do we go, who do we slot in? Because Leon still wants to be on that card. So that. Who, who do we put? Uh, so I'm thinking, I know that apparently... Right, I just read this. Uh, they are going to move uh, that, like, I guess Leon's not going to be in the main event anymore because uh, the main event for that fight is going to be Kevin Holland versus Derek Brunson is what I'm reading now. Oh, they're bringing that forward? Because yeah, I mean, that I fight was talked about for March. So if they're going to make that fight for January, that's pretty... And I, I kind of feel, you know what I mean? Brunson's last fight was against Shabazian. So he hasn't fought in a minute, right? So, you know, Brunson should be eager to get in there. Oh, wait, no, I'm reading this now. Sorry, I, 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 that's bad reporting by me. Apparently, they're looking at that for the March 20th card. Uh, so my bad. I thought he was, yeah, I, I, for whatever reason, I thought that was the one that was going to be filling in for the... Uh, um, for Edwards versus Chimaev because uh, they needed a main event there. So, yeah, I mean, it will be. I mean, dude, I put this in the notes this week then um, for for BYM. It feels like the reason they booked Chiesa versus um, Neil Magny, right, for that spot is to serve as a, um, a like a backup. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I did read that Magny is... Uh... He's up for it. And if you remember, Magni was the first guy to go, all right, Chimavim, let's go, right? And no one else was answering the call, and Magni, Magni came straight for that shit. So kind of putting, you know, because then when they, they had Leon fight him, right, it left Magni in the cold. So you kind of feel that, as Magni was the one of the first cats to grow the balls to be like, I don't give a fuck about rankings. It, I wouldn't be mad at having him against Leon. Yeah, but I mean that that I don't know that that seems to defeat the purpose for Leon a little bit, you know. Like so, we're looking at this where it's like, eh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess it doesn't in the sense that like he 
he needed to take a fight just to get himself back to that number three ranking. Yeah. Um, which is where he's at right now. And then Magny's down the line at number nine. So it's like, yeah, you're going from fighting the number 15 guy to fighting the number nine guy. But I mean, come on now. I mean, who, who as a UFC fan is going to put Neil Magny on the, like, I'm hyped to see this guy fight scale above Hamzat Chimaev, you know? So it's like, you're taking a, mm. in, in my mind, like Neil Magny is the one of the toughest outs in the division, you know, like the guys who beat yeah. Neil Magny consistently go on to uh, fight for titles, you know, like he is just, he's that dude. Um, matched up against number eight, Michael Chase right now. It's like, that is to me that, like I was saying last week, that disrespected veteran title, right? <laughs> like guys who've been in the game for a minute, nobody sees them as real title contenders, no matter the fact that like, I think Magni is, uh, on, if I'm not mistaken, he lost that. Didn't he lose to Song Yedong? Um, in a very, no, 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 sorry. No, he beat, he, he beat the leech. Yeah. Last yeah. Year. He, he won. He's and he looked Really, I think he lost the first round. If I remember correctly, he lost the first round and then came back and schooled him for the next two. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just pace, dude. Just that he puts mm. that pace on you that nobody can match. Uh, I mean, the Anthony Rocco-Martin fight. I mean, that's a guy who, you know, uh, obviously is a problem for a lot of guys in the division. Robbie Lawler, former champion, just completely outclassed him. He's on a three-fight win streak and nobody seems to respect this guy. I mean, yeah. um, you know, Michael Chase has been in the company since you know 2012 he won the ultimate fighter against uh iakinta right it's like mm. looking at this now we're now in 2020 he's an eight-year veteran on a three-fight win streak just beat carlos condit legend diego sanchez legend rafael dos Anjos, legend nobody's looking at this guy as a possible title contender so it's like i do like those two kind of butting heads um and i would hate to break up that pairing but you know neil magny is neil magny is such a He's he's just he's a put such a pace on you. Yeah, he's right? got the he's got that reach, you know that wiry ass frame, right? So frame wise, him and Kamzat are kind of similar. Are they? Like, because Kamzat's kind of you know lanky and lean, a bit like I think Magni has got the reach, yeah. but they're kind of similar. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be mad. Right now, Edwards, he called out Jorge Masterval, but we know that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, I mean, for a fight night card, no. Yeah. You know, there's, there's just no way. I mean, Jorge Masvidal last year was the, I mean, he was the biggest pay-per-view draw that there was, you know? I mean, the 1.6 million pay-per-view buys, it beat Conor McGregor, you know, as much as McGregor likes to claim the opposite. Um you know, so I don't see how you can put him on a free ESPN plus card. You're just giving away money as the, uh, as the, uh, UFC there. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I could see, I could see it as a possibility. If you then said to, if you said, right, the winner of this fight fights Usman or the winner of Usman get burns, right? If you said that, I think Masvidal, because he wants that fight, right? He wants that fight back. So I think if you said that, I think you could make it. But the fact that it's in under a month, no, I, I don't, I don't see that happening. You know, 
Oh, okay. Well, hold on. This is interesting. I just want to point this out that uh, McGregor uh, posted a thing that says he was uh, paid uh, or collected reported buys for UFC 246 uh, was 1.35 million versus uh, Masvidal and Usman, who came in at 1.3 million. So technically, okay. he, he is looking at that being like, yeah, I mean, I sold a, a little bit more than Masvidal, but one way or another, you know, like those. Those two are your two biggest stars right now, yeah. beyond a shadow of a doubt. So it's like you can't – I don't care if it's going to get you a title shot. I don't care. Like you just – you're not going to give up that kind of money to – you know, you're getting – Masvidal's getting a piece of the pay-per-view pie no matter what right now where he's at. <laughs> you can't you can't give up that kind of money, especially that late in Masvidal's career, to take a free fight against a very game uh, contender on a fight night card, you know? So if they moved now, here's the thing, right? If they move Leon Edwards versus Masvidal into a five round co-main event slot before Connor and um, before Connor and Poirier, and they gave Masvidal a piece of that pay-per-view, that would be, um, I mean, it would be, you know, it's a 2 million pay-per-view buy maybe, but it's like, are the UFC really going to use their two biggest bullets on the same card? No. So what are we doing? Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. I kind of feel that possibly Edwards isn't going to fight on that card. Well, I mean, let's see here. Let's uh, let's look at the UFC rankings. For I mean, you got Gilbert Burns, who's slated to fight Usman, so that's not happening. Covington? No. Why not? I, I, again, no. I think he's a big name, a big draw. Right, he won't. He yeah. won't step to a fight night. He'll be like, "Pay me the money. I'm pay per view. I sell fights." No, is he? Yeah, I mean, the, the, his, his only big seller was you know the the Kamar Usman fight. Um, Kamar Usman versus Colby Covington. I'm just gonna look up the pay per view buys on that one right now because I think that is, uh, yeah. So UFC 245 pay per view buys. I mean, like the his last fight was on ESPN plus, you know, the Tyron Woodley fight was on ESPN plus. So, you know, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> Clearly willing to fight uh, on ESPN plus. I mean, he, he, the Robbie Lawler fight is the worst. Uh, it's the worst ratings in the, um, yeah, I mean, I'm reading a thing from Bleacher Report saying, you know, he's the worst. Uh, he's just not a big draw right now. You know, I mean, the, mm. I think in his head, he thinks he's bigger. Okay, but I mean, he's also, he's a realist, right? Like, he knows what he's doing. Um, you know, the, uh, all right, so UFC, UFC on ESPN, and Ganu versus uh, Cain Velasquez did 1.46 million views. Like, that was their average rating. Covington versus Lawler, 680,000. Like, that is, it's below Dos Anjos versus Edwards, uh, below Barboza versus Gaethje. Like, there's, it, it's not, his um he just doesn't translate to it no like he just doesn't translate to buys and i think there's like a there is that side of him where he looks at it and he's like i mean you know that's why he took i think the fight against tyron which was like the fight he was looking for for a couple of years he said it was going to be the biggest selling thing blah 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 it's like all right you know <laughs> you took that fight on a fight night dude i i think you could possibly get that fight but you'd have to move 
you'd have to move to you'd have to move it back a bit. I don't. I get. I just don't see him taking a fight on the twentieth of January. You know, if if you moved it back, maybe, but I don't see him jumping in at the last minute. Like he definitely should. I mean, that definitely would help him if he did. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I might be wrong. I just don't see it. Mm. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, it's, I don't know. There is like a certain thing of it though, where it's like Colby Covington going out there to fight a black dude who's British, right? Like in a foreign country, like that lines up with everything Colby Covington represents, you know, like there's just something about that where it's like, I mean, look, if we were going to have one guy go do it on three weeks notice, it would be like the most racist son of a bitch we have. I don't know. That's just, there's something about it to me where like that, that clicks in my head as a promoter, as like a whatever, like it's just, I, I don't know. It works for me. I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't say Kobe is racist. I mean, I mean he's just dumb. No, I mean, dude, after what he said to, after what he said against Brazilians. Oh well, I mean, he said to figure it, but but remember, he did say that trying to keep his job because he'd been told he was getting cut. Okay, but I mean, you know, I watched Conor McGregor go out and cut promos against RDA without ever. Like and 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 make fun of the Brazilians, make fun of Jose Aldo, and like never cross that line where I was like, "Oh, Connor's being racist." You know what I mean? Like I yeah. definitely hit that with Colby a number of times. I'm just like, no, "What? What are we doing oh, here?" Come yeah, on. but re- remember the levels, right? <laughs> Covington's trash talking is pretty basic. Pretty you know, it, it's not that smart. It's not that deep. He he thinks he's great at it. But it does come off as a uh, WWE next fighter. (laughs) 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 But I will say, you know, the that card, we've we've got some great fights on that card. So, you know, you've got as as you say, Chiesa against Magni. You've also got Carlos Condon against Matt Brown. I mean, goddamn, that's a great fight. If it happens, I mean, I think that fight's been booked like four times. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it definitely has. Um, but fingers crossed, you know, nothing, nothing's come up that they're injured yet. So I'm hoping. Yeah, I mean, I remember I was, I was like, I'm, I'm friends with Mickey because I, I trained down at uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu in, uh, in uh, Spart- uh, Spartan, New Jersey. And like, I remember hitting him up being like, yo, Condit looked kind of good. And he's like, I, I was doing other stuff. Like I was busy. I didn't get a chance to watch the, uh, the fights. Like, what, what do you, what do you think? And I was like, I was telling him, I was like, he, he showed up. He looked kind of like the Condit of old, you know, like it was a, it was a gutsy performance against, uh, you know, not an also ran um you know and he's like oh it's good it's good to just see him be able to like make the walk you know to the to the octagon because if you remember mickey was slated to fight him at one point matt brown was yeah. slated to fight him a number of times like you know so there 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 has been a there has been a bit of um you know stalling to the uh to the return of carlos condit here but if that fight gets off the ground i mean my god dude i mean how how much do, how great is matt brown just yeah. how great is the immortal one dude Matt, that elbow he hit Diego with was just, that's the epitome of violence right there. <laughs> Dude, I mean, talk about, like, I will still, but you, you want to get fired up? You want to get 
fired the fuck up. Go watch the Eric Silva fight, right? Like that era, right when GSP retired, to me, is the most fun welterweight ever was, right? Like between mm. Johnny Hendricks, Matt Brown, Robbie Lawler, uh, Rory McDonald, certainly in the mix, Wonder Boy in the mix. Um, you know, like what welterweight was, you know, GSP had essentially cleaned out the division and that new crop, right, who was just targeting GSP and GSP alone for like a three to four year window as like the man to beat. As soon as he left, they were all like, all right, like it's, it's game on now. You yeah. know, like you, you see that. <laughs> like I, I feel that way about light heavyweight right now, you know, like Alexander Rakic coming up, Tiago Santos, Glover Teixeira, Anthony Smith, like all of those guys are fun, fun fights. Um, you know, where it's like, oh, these guys are going to get to fight each other now because yeah. they're not just, holding on and waiting for their shot at John Jones, you know? Yeah, it definitely makes things interesting. Right. Yeah. Oh, and we also get Pedro Munez against Jimmy Rivera. Dude, That's I mean, a fun fight. Is that one where it's like, uh, I mean, is Jimmy, like, fighting for his job at this point? I think he won his last fight. Did he? Okay. I believe he won his last fight. Yeah, he did. He beat Cody Stamen. Okay. And that yeah. was his featherweight debut. All right. So, and now he's, I guess he, what did he, was that just like a short notice fight on Fight Island? So he took the featherweight fight? Cause I'm assuming so. I mean, dude, it's weird. Cause if you look at it here, it's right. It's like he lost three out of four at one point at Bantamweight, but those losses were to Marlon Marais. No shame in that. Aljamain yeah. Sterling. No shame in that. And current champion Piotr Jan. So it's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. And then the win against Cody Stamen coming back at, uh, at, at Featherweight there. It's like, okay, cool. I mean, let's see you get a win at, at Bantamweight against, you know, somebody in Pedro Munoz who is, like, he didn't Pedro just beat Cody Garbrandt last year? Um, yes. Did I get that wrong? Didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that? no, he beat Cody, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, oh, okay, like. You know, that, that's, that's a guy who's got a win over a former champion. Um, and his losses were to Aljamain Sterling and a split decision loss to Frank Yeager. So it's like mm. he's just getting no favors done to him no. whatsoever. <laughs> but a win, yo, that, you know, throws Rivera back into the mix. Sure it does. But also, does a loss then make Munoz's job you know, upper grabs because he'd be on his third straight loss with a with a loss to Sterling. Uh, I'm sorry, with a loss to Rivera there. So, oh, yeah, one. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so UFC two fifty seven, we got Poirier against McGregor, the sequel. All right, we've got um, Overeem against Alexander Volkov. That's a fun one. Clay Guida against Michael Johnson. Uh, come on now. Come on now. What are, what are we doing here? What are we doing? I, it's a fun veteran fight, I feel. Yeah, but it's like, why? why? Okay, my problem with that. What do you think Clay Weed is getting paid per fight? Not a lot. I think you're mistaken, dude, because he's been with the company that long. Like, Andre Arlovsky, I think, still gets, like, 250 grand a fight. You know what I mean? Like, it's there is a thing where it's, like, if you've been with the company that long, you just get 
you just accumulate money, you know, because it's like you're a big enough name. I mean, Guido's definitely getting a big percentage of the Reebok with that fight, you know. Um, yeah, no, it's still Reebok until, hmm, is it March? Is it March? I thought it was January they were switching over. I, f- I can't remember when. Okay, so, um, okay, this is UFC 237, um, which was still quite some time ago, right? That was Rose versus Andrade. Uh, mm. That's the night that uh, Anderson Silva hurt his, uh, you know, hurt his leg kicking Jared Cannonier. Uh, you know, I mean, Volkanovski yeah. fought Aldo <laughs> to get himself a title shot. Uh, I mean, that night, I mean, look, Clay Guida, okay, 59000 a show, 59000 a win, 20000 fight week incentive. So it's like, you know, that, that Reebok money, who cares, right? That's not like coming out of anybody's pocket. That's, that's just sponsorship money that was already dedicated into a giant pot. He's getting to pay the same thing as, uh, as Jose Aldo. But it's like, you're, you're getting sixty grand just to walk in the door, you know, where these new fighters who are, like, Clay Guida is never going to be a UFC champion. No you're getting 60 grand for a fight where the youngest guy on the card who could be a future champion is on a, you know, 10, 10 contract, you know, like 12, five, 12, five, 15, 15. It's like, all right, if this guy wins his fight, he's making, if a guy's wins his fight at 15, 15, he's making 30 grand, which is still 20 grand less than Clay Guida, who we know will never be a UFC champion. What are we doing? All right. But, this is the thing with that, right? Guida's been in the he's been in the trenches for a long ass time, you know. So these newer cats, right? So they may have come from the contender series, maybe something else, right? So they've possibly had two free fights in the UFC, right? So I think they then look at if you're a fifteen fifteen fighter, you're on your third fight in the UFC. You're yeah. on your third. You're, you've you've won your first two fights in the UFC because that's how the pay grade jumps up. So yeah. If you're if you're, if you're two and zero oh in the UFC, your third fight is for fifteen fifteen. Yeah. So they but they're looking at you know cats like Guida going okay, right? I'm 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 aiming for that shit. So they if they win their fights, they can renegotiate that contract. You know what I mean? And get more. But but if they start off at, you know, I don't know, 40-40, right? So you, you, you know there's definitely going to be some people. There's some people who are like, yeah, I'm just happy to be in the UFC, which is fine, but you want those people that are like, I'm going to be a fucking champion, right? And not everyone has that mindset. So I, I kind of feel it's show and prove, right? You show you've got the ability, you show that you've got that determination, you get the money. Okay, I mean, Michael Johnson is now on a, what, three-fight losing streak? Something like that? I think so, yeah. He, yeah, he lost to Josh Emmett, Stevie Ray, and Thiago Moises, right? So he's on a three-fight losing streak. His last fight got paid 83 to show. Okay, so if we're, if we're just going off of those numbers, 83 to show 49 and 49 uh for for guida it's like dude you're gonna put 150 into this fight you know if if 
if uh, Johnson wins on an 83-83, you know, split, you're talking about this is a $200,000 fight that you're putting on when neither of these men, when both of these guys are literally fighting for their job. Oh, yeah, no, for real. Who, whoever loses is getting cut. So what – that's my point. What are we doing here, right? Like you're – that $200,000 could be invested into, you know, for that one fight could be invested in 10 fights for two prospects. I mean, it could, but, right? I mean, and, and, and any of those prospects could one day be a champion where I don't think Michael Johnson can, I don't think Clay Guida can. No. I mean, the boat has sailed for both, right? The boat has definitely sailed for both. The loser will get cut. And I imagine the winner isn't going to stick around for much longer. So that's my point. What are we doing here? Why is this money going to, like, when we, when we argue and complain about fighter pay all the time, right, and, and people are constantly bitching, these guys don't get paid enough, and these fucking, you know, backseat MMA junkie writers who shit on Dana White for putting on promotions in the middle of a pandemic when we're desperate for fights, right, and these guys who wouldn't have a job without Dana White building the infrastructure, right, all of these guys complain about fighter pay, we're literally looking at a $200,000 meaningless fight. Hmm, but two veterans... Like I'm not, I'm not mad that Eva's getting paid. Sure, but you know, you know what I think would be, in my mind, a significantly better use of time and resources. Uh, let both of those guys go out to the indies. You know, like if you were to put Clay Guida in an LFA or RFA, whatever. You know, put him in the the whatever King of the Cage or any of these regional promotions. You know, they're they could be killers. You know, and let them work their way back into where it's like, all right, now you got a Michael Johnson, a newly rejuvenated Michael Johnson on a four-fight win streak in, in the regionals. It's like, all right, bring him back at that point. Yeah, maybe give him a shot against a top 10 guy. You know, like, I just don't understand the, the – I don't understand this level of matchmaking. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I kind of feel that when, when either get cut, that's going to be it. I don't see them – going to the regionals and trying to come back. You know what I mean? I, I kind of get the sense that, yeah, it's probably, you know, the, it wouldn't surprise me if the winner of this fight retired. So, okay. I mean, cool. If, if it's, I guess if it's just like one more fight for a paycheck for both of them, and that's the understanding going into it. But other than that, to me, it, it I don't know. I feel like it... I don't know. Like there is a certain side of me where on the one hand, I always get excited when I see Jim Miller on a card, you know, like just there's something in me where it's like, man, that's fucking, that's Jim Miller coming out there. Like anything can happen. But like, I don't, I don't know. Like there, we're not, this isn't 2012 anymore. You know, like we do kind of got to move on. That new crop needs a chance to shine. And, and when we complain that there's not enough stars in this sport, well, I mean, are we really investing the money to find stars or are we taking care of, you know, the guys who've been there for, for years and years? It's, it is difficult, um, you know, to, to, to speak so heartlessly about somebody like Clay Guida, who has certainly, you know, uh, put on some, you know, incredible fights and, you know, uh, but like even what's Clay Guida's biggest win in the UFC beating Anthony Pettis. Is that his biggest win? I mean, that was a guy who was the WEC champion, was supposed to be fighting for the UFC title if Frankie Edgar and Gray Maynard didn't fight to a draw. Uh, 
you know, and he got the win against the guy who everybody had penciled in as the next 155 pound champion. I mean, if your biggest win is just throwing a monkey wrench into the fight that everybody wants to see, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, you know, but eh, I don't know. We'll, we'll give him the. I, I, what I imagine, right? The loser goes. The winner, if he doesn't retire, he gets fed to an up and comer. Right, I I feel, and then you make the name for the up and comer if they get that win, and that's what I see. That's what I see happening. But here's my question, right? Does does getting a win over Clay Guida still get you over? Does getting a win over Michael Johnson still get you over? Like Tiago Moises is the last guy to beat Michael Johnson. I don't think Tiago Moises is particularly like you know, a killer in my mind, somebody who's going to be like a superstar one day. No, but we then in his next fight, we did see a lot of improvement with my ice, with his, with his standing. He, you know what I mean? He's, he's uh, yeah, he's, he's standing game and he did get a better opponent. So I think it's not the rub that it used to be. But it, it definitely adds a little something to someone on their second, second, third fight in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, huh. I'm just looking at, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm uh, sorry, I was trying to see like who, who could actually make that claim, right? Like, I mean, he's not even getting matched up with these guys, Clay Weed isn't. He's, his last fight was against Bobby Green. Right. Then Jim Miller, BJ Penn, Charles Oliveira, Joe Lozon, Eric Koch. I mean, it, to, you have to go all the way back to 2016 against Brian Ortega, where he got need, uh, a, knee K, a knee KO in a fight where he was winning. Right. Yeah. He, he was doing his Clay Guida best to stop the momentum of a hard charging, rising prospecting Brian Ortega before he got caught in that third round. Very, very late in the round, might I add. Right, mm. like he could have just stopped Brian Ortega's momentum. Um, you know, instead he 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 loses to Brian Ortega. They learned their lesson and didn't put him in there against any hungry young killers for quite some time. You know, um, and Clay Guida still needed one, two, three fights uh, before getting a title shot. So, <laughs> that, the funny thing about that is that after that fight, Ortega. Still didn't really do any work on his stand up. Right? It, it was only in that last fight against Korean Zombie that we truly saw Ortega take another level on his stand up. I was so in the bag for Korean Zombie in that fight I for know. that reason exactly. <laughs> there was no way in my mind that Brian Ortega was going to figure out the zombie. And then. I mean, that was a masterful performance. Yeah. And good I, God. I, I had Zombie winning that fight for the stand-up. And, like, Zombie's ground game, obviously, it's not at the same level as Ortega, but it's not rubbish. No. So I kind of figured, yeah, he'll keep it standing and he'll win on the feet. And uh, it did not go that way. <laughs> not, not in the slightest. Yeah. Yeah. Corey Sanhagen against Frankie Edgar. That's a... 
Good God, that's a fight. Yeah. That and is... it's the fight that we were meant to get, you know what I mean, last year. Oh, that's right. That was that was supposed to be his uh, Bantamweight debut, correct? Yeah, but he then took that last-minute fight in December against Korean Zombie and uh, lost. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, Frankie last December, remember? He took a last-minute fight on the last card in Seoul against Korean Zombie, and Zombie knocked Frankie out. Right, that did happen. But, I mean, so... He was going to drop down to Bantamweight mm-hmm. to fight Sanhagen. Cool. And then made, right. And then decided instead to stay up. I mean, dude, at that point, it's like if you're, I don't know, that's a weird one. That's such a weird one. Like if you're targeting 135, your entire mindset is, a, is on fighting like a, a, a smaller guy and getting yourself smart. And then you get in there with a killer, like the Korean zombie, yeah. fighting in his home country, no less. Well, it was weird because Frankie looked so small in that fight. Like, so much smaller. So he'd already been making that cut down. So it was a crazy-ass fight to to take. But, yeah, he did it, and it didn't go well. And then, because he was saying that he was going to take that fight and he'll still fight Corey in January. But, uh, yeah, obviously, didn't happen. So it's great that this fight is um happening still yeah and i mean like i'm just i'm looking at this here i mean like this is you know i mean Corey, he's got the loss to aljermaine nobody's gonna hold that against him but before that i mean a one two three four five fight win streak to start his ufc career and then the absolute destruction of in his next fight it's i know like you know uh, I feel like that definitely is one where it's like, all right, we know that the next fight for the title is going to be Aljo versus Piotr Jan. It's the only one that that's fair. It's the only one that makes any sense in the world. Um, you know, I think Cejudo has made it very clear if he's coming back, it's to fight Volkanovsky. Yes. So, you know, this as a number, as a, like, this is going to be the, the, the number one contender in waiting. I don't hate that fight at all. No. No, de- definitely not. I, I think if Corey, yeah, I think actually regardless of how he might win that fight, he will be the number one contender, you know. And yeah, either one. Either if Frankie wins, he'll get, he'll get it as well. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't think even needs a spectacular knockout, submission. I think whoever wins, however they win, they're next. Hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, we've got a load of other great fights to look forward to. You know, now, I mean, how-, how exciting, by the way. It's like, all right, we got to, like, we're taking the three weeks off, right? Like, that's Which just... Which seems so long. <laughs> Dude, when we had a fight, like, what was it, every week since, yeah. like, June? Yeah. <laughs> we fight every single weekend. Um <laughs> <laughs> go from that to being like i mean like and dude some of them were like i mean who 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 was the all-time low of main events this year um what the hell was it it was like i i think everyone people were pissed about jessica ivers calvillo was it yes it, it was that one or holly home against alexa grasso i didn't hate that as much 
I didn't hate that as much because I think that Holly Holm has done. A- no, sorry, it wasn't Alexa Grasso, was it? It was our um, Irene Aldana. Irene Aldana, yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, Aldana, I think was, if I'm not mistaken, the favorite in that fight. Yeah, well, yes, because before that fight, she had looked so damn good. It is just in that fight, it, it, she just didn't know how to cut the ring off. It, it was, it was a weird one. Just follow, just completely following at every turn. Like it was, yeah. it reminded me a little bit of Holly versus Valentina. You know, remember like when yes. Valentina was just able to piece up Holly on the feet and Holly could not uh, uh, figure out a way around it. But I mean, um, yeah, I think, I think the Jessica Ivers, Cynthia Calvillo, I mean, dude, let me, let me just read this card off to you. Okay. I mean, my boy, Marvin Vittori uh, fighting Carl Roberson in a grudge match as mm-hmm. literally the only good fight on that card on paper. Um, then you got Charles Rosa, a guy who was beaten so severely, uh, by Bryce Mitchell that I'm surprised he still has a job. Uh, Andre touchy feely getting, if I'm not mistaken, his first, uh, no, 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 uh, no, it wasn't. No, I was thinking of, um, Bruce Leroy is the one who got his first two fight win streak together, uh, this year, which is crazy. It was either first two fight or first three fight win streak. Like it was, um, yeah, it's pretty nuts that uh, you've been in the UFC that long, and that's you know where you're at. Um, yeah, I just gotta. This is driving me crazy now. Oh no, Alex Cesaro's three fight win streak, first three fight win streak in the UFC, having been a UFC, having been on the UFC roster since his uh, eighth professional fight in 2011. You can never put together three fight win streak. It's crazy to me. Um, but I mean, uh, yeah, I mean that that whole fight card was. I mean. Yeah, Andre Feely versus Charles Jordan, split decision. I mean, Jordan Espinosa versus Mark De La Rosa, Hannah Seifer. Uh, I mean, Tyson Nam getting the the knockout early on in that card was the only highlight of it. If you and, and yeah, then that the, was the first fight, wasn't it? Tyson Nam. It, it was the second fight. The first fight was Christian Aguilera versus Anthony Ivey. So you had that. You had. In oh, that, that was a stoppage as well. Yeah, right. those two, those two finishes, and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then Julia Vila versus Gina Mazzani again, another 22 second uh, TKO. Mm. I, I remember I, as soon as those fighters were walking out, like I, I told my roommate, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go grab a shower. It's two chicks fighting. It's going to be a 15-minute split decision. I get out of the shower, and he's like, nope, dude, you missed it. 24-second knockout. I'm like, you're fucking with me. Um, oh, yeah, Harrington, the sexism right there. Good I mean, damn it. To be fair, if you want to make money betting MMA, just women's MMA over, student. Over two and a half rounds in women's MMA, you will cash that eight out of ten times. It's, you know, that's there's there's a reason there's usually so much juice on those propositions. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, this not, is, not many have got the knockout power, right? So you know, I mean, and the ones who do rise to championship status for a reason. You know, I yeah. mean, your Jessica Andrade's, your Valentinas, your like those are those are killers you know and they they they, they're the gap between the elite at women's mma versus the also rands is so much greater than you know men's champion like i think on any given day uh on the men's side a lot of the top 10 would have a shot against a lot of the champions i don't feel that way about women's mma no i mean it women's mma is kind of like er I don't know. What would you say? 2008, 2010? That's fair. For the, for the men's kind of thing? 
it, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, kind I mean, of like that developmentally wise. Yeah, I mean, maybe even a little bit further back, if you think about it, right? Like the UFC itself starts in, what, 1994? Yeah. Um, you know, so that that gap right between 94 and 2008 is you know 14 years it's it's that's significant i mean i don't i can't remember like high level women's mma ufc level women's mma didn't start until what 2011 2010 something like that yeah i want to say something like that right was ronda ronda rousey was the first no yeah. meets papers cats in ghana wasn't it what was the first? No. No, it was Liz Kamush, um Rousey. I think yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the first. Yeah, you're correct. UFC 257. That was 2013. Mm. Oh, you know, I mean, we're talking, you're seven years into having women's MMA in the UFC at the highest level. Before that, your strike forces, your Invictus. But I mean, you're not, Ronda's career didn't start until 2011. I mean, you can go back a little bit further than that to to the Gina Caranos of the world. But like, realistically yeah i mean you're 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 not even at that 14 year mark to compare it to 2008 mma like when you know liddell was running crazy and you know like you you just haven't you haven't hit that level yet and i feel like nunez is is really the the first of that new breed uh where you know since she's been training that path to high level mma and 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 actually being able to make a career out of this has existed yeah nunez i'd say wiley you know what I mean? You've got people like that. I, I think an issue is, is the cards, right? Because you think UFC, you've usually got two women's fights, oftentimes three women's fights on the cards. But you look at other promotions, it's not like that. So it, unless they're fighting in something like Invicta, an all-female promotion, they're struggling to get those opportunities. So I think the development of the game, it's, yeah, just, you know, it is where it is. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it certainly is progressing. And I mean, you know, to see somebody like Wei Li coming out of China where it's like, oh, this is arguably the best, you know, I, I don't think it is arguable at this point. She is the greatest Asian combat sports uh, performer that there is, you know, like there's just like relative to the rest of her division. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like for sure, Korean zombie is up there, but you know, you're not going to compare, uh, you know, him to the greatest of all time at featherweight. You know I mean? She is up there as, you know, you're looking at her like, Oh, this is a chick who for sure could go down as the greatest straw weight uh, of all time. There's no doubt in my mind. She, she has that pedigree. Um, you know, and she has certainly the, the win over Andrade, the win over uh, Joanna. What do you think about this, by the way? The Rose Nama Yunus uh, getting snubbed for the title shot for Carla Esparza. I, it, it's a, it is a difficult one, right? Because I remember when the pandemic hit and a load of fighters said, I don't feel comfortable with fighting, right? They said it at the beginning, and then a few months in, it's just like, I can't believe I can't get a fight. What's going on? That person's above me. How's that person above me in the rankings? And it's just like, yo, son, you said you didn't want to fight yet, which no one's faulting you for, right? So I, I, I think sometimes we get that. So I, I, I would, it's hard to say, right? Because you know Rose, like she definitely she struggles 
with the mental side of the game at times. Yeah. And I, I think because, you know, with the pandemic, she lost, I think she lost a few family members. Did she really? If, yeah, I think if I remember rightly, okay. yeah, I think more than one family member died. Yeah. And I, I think possibly there might have been a thing where maybe she was just like, I don't feel comfortable fighting just yet. Right. And so it's kind of like, well, we want, we need to book this fight. You've said you don't want to fight quite yet. We're going to give it to Carla. And they're saying, no, she wants to fight, but it's like, but when? And I, I think it's a lost in translation kind of thing, you know? Well, no, yeah, that was the thing. She was supposed to fight Andrade at UFC 249. She had to pull out because of, uh, you know, two family members dying from COVID. And then she eventually did come back, fight that Andrade uh, rematch and got a, in my mind, a controversial win there because I think Andrade did enough to win that fight. But, um, you know, I like Andrade way better at flyweight. It makes the most sense for her. I mean, she was a chick who was getting wins at Bantamweight, you know, yes. so once flyweight became an option, it was like, dude, if she wasn't one fight away from a title at strawweight, I feel like she would have made the jump to flyweight and she probably should have fought Valentina two years ago. You know, like that's just the, the trajectory of that. As far as like the two best girls at around that weight class, it, it's, they, it's no doubt in my mind, it's Andrade and Valentina in some order. So I am very excited to see those two fight. That's probably, I don't know. In, can you, is there a, I mean, maybe Whaley versus Rose? What is your, what's your number one female fight for next year? Gosh, I would say it's, I mean, I want to see Whaley Yoano again. Really? I, I thought, I thought, as I said, look, I thought Yoana did enough to win that fight. Right, and it was just the forehead looking like a motherfucking alien that I think that swung it for the judges because Whaley obviously punches harder than most of them, right? And I think that was the thing. It, it was the, the power and the forehead. But I would love to see that fight again because Joanna can win that fight, right? Um, I think... Seeing her against Rose, is, that's definitely a good fight. That's definitely a fight I would like to see. So I, I think it's between those. I think Carla, Carla's good, right? Because Carla is, you, I think you discount her. But it's her Fine. wrestling is great. But I think if she gets hit by one of Wei Lee's, she's going out. That's because been my feeling saw, about Carla for years. Yeah, because we saw Carla get, he up by Joanna, and Joanna doesn't knock you out, mm -hmm. right? And uh, so I think Carla could get knocked out by Wei Li, but her wrestling is legit. Yeah, that was all the way back in, in uh, you know, 20, uh, 2015. So, you know, God knows. Uh, one other name, by the way, this was like the, the heir apparent by the way, at, at Strawweight, uh, somebody who we thought was fighting, um, you know, a title eliminator against Nina Ansaroff at UFC 238 all the way back in June of 2019. And that's Tatiana Suarez. I feel like she was on everybody's list as like the potential uh, champion 
you know, coming yeah. coming out of 2020. Like people were making their year-end list 2019. I think that a lot of people had it between, uh, I can't remember if Zhang had already won the, yeah, she did. She already won the yeah. title at the end of 2019, right? So it was either like Zhang or, or, or Suarez. A lot of people were looking at Suarez as like, oh, this chick could could take the title in, in 2020. And she yeah, just it, it, was a hor- it was a horrible fight against Ansaroff, right? It, it was a bad fight, but Suarez did get the win, but she injured herself in that fight. And I remember seeing something a few months back that she's still having some issues with the injury. Is she really? Oh, yeah, still fighting neck injuries, disc issues in this from October of 2019. Uh, wow. That is a shame, dude. I yeah. didn't realize that. Yeah, it, it, it's not like she's sitting out for, you know, contract or anything. These injuries, man. I figure it would be like a COVID thing. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. the, with the, you know, uh, limitations on international travel. She is a Brazilian fighter, correct? No, no. Suarez is American. Is she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. She represented America in the Olympics. Well, she was going to represent America in the Olympics before the cancer. In what? Wrestling. Okay, because I'm seeing yeah, here she's, she's a oh yeah women's wrestling yeah wrestling. world championships and yeah. then uh, well I'm also seeing she was and she took gold in the world jiu-jitsu championships twice so I was like did they add jiu-jitsu to the Olympics now? <laughs> no, no, she um yeah she was a she was a I think all her family are wrestlers and yeah. her younger brother and sister like yeah they're just straight up bugs man on the wrestling mats so um. Yeah, and Ooh. I think in, in, the, in the time she had to take off, that's when she got into jiu-jitsu. I believe that's correct. Okay, yeah. So I'm, I am reading this here. Yeah, she uh, went in for an MRI uh, because of those same bulging discs that she had, and they found cancer on her. And when she was recovering from cancer, she picked up jiu-jitsu and MMA. That is yeah. kind of a badass chick, dude. I mean, ain't no, <laughs> you know, she's only, been, she's only been training MMA since 2014. Um, you know, it's, that's not bad. Like, I don't know. They're, they're like, that definitely is somebody who I would love to see, you know, fight for the fight. If not for the title, then certainly like, you know, like Suarez versus Rose, right? Give me that fight as soon as humanly possible. If you're not going to put Rose up for the title, but, um, I don't know. I, I, I still think the, the fight I'm most excited for over the next year is Valentina versus Andrade. Cause I feel like, Valentina has yet to be challenged at 125, right? I don't think the Ioana fight was was a challenge at any point to her. Um, no. You know, well, she'd think. already beaten Ioana in Muay Thai. I think she'd beaten Ioana in Muay Thai a couple of times. So, I only fought a couple of times. I didn't think... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I knew they had fought a couple of times. I thought it was one-on-one, but you might be right about that. Yeah, no, I don't think Yana won either of those fights. Oh, she had defeated her three times in amateur Muay Thai bouts. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because I remember there was a time where uh, I want to say Nunez had to be rushed to the hospital. um, Yes. When she was like trying to make weight. Yeah, was it International Fight Week or something like that? And Yoanna had said she'll step in, but there was something over a pregnancy test or so, something like that where they didn't let the fight go. Yeah, uh, it was July of 2017. She fell ill. Doctors cleared her to fight, but she didn't feel up to it. So the fight was called off. Joanna offered to jump in and replace her, but they couldn't clear her on such short notice. 
So yeah. instead they fought in September in one of the worst selling pay-per-views of all time. But my God, that was such a good fight. And I still, to this day, I think Valentina took it three rounds to two. So, yeah, you know, do with that what you will. I, I, I could have seen that score to draw with, uh, with maybe Nunez getting a 10-8 in the, the first or second rounds there. But, I mean, Shevchenko did, I, in my mind, just enough to win that fight. And, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know. I, I, I still kind of want to see a, that trilogy. Yeah, I think it was a last round takedown. I think it was something like that. There was a takedown in the third, which I think kind of no, gave... in the in the fifth. Yes, that was the title fight. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was the, the the first time they fought was a three round fight, and I remember it was like Nunez did enough in those first two rounds to be clearly ahead, and then Valentina came out like a house on fire in the third and put it on Nunez, and it was like oh, shit, if this fight had two more minutes, Valentina would be the number one contender for that belt, you know? Yeah, that, those were the days when Nunes was still struggling with the gas tank. Yeah, I mean, the, the, her, what was it? Her only loss in the... In the Zingano. in a fight yeah. she was handily winning. Oh, my gosh. And that fight, when Zingago won and just stood up and roared. Woo! That's it. chills, man. Yeah, That's dude. one of those fights. Um, but yeah, I think, I think for sure, I think, yeah, Andrade versus, versus Valentina, that's going to be a barn burner. Oh, no. Yeah. That, that, that would, I mean, Valentina has got all the skills to win it, but Andrade has that power. Right. He's got that power that can turn your lights off. So if she can land, could she stop Valentina? But we have seen Valentina take heavy ass shots off Nunes. So it's kind of like, Hmm, what's going to happen? Like Valentina should win, but it's not necessarily a given. Yeah. I mean, we just saw Maya like look as good as anyone has against uh, Valentina at, um, at flyweight largely because she was just, you know, if I'm not mistaken, that fight was mostly because, uh, uh, Maya was just committing to a wrestling. No. Yeah. So, I mean, somebody like, you know, Andrade who can wrestle fuck anyone who already has a win via like suplex into head slam. Like, Woo-hoo. you know, like, <laughs> yeah. clearly somebody who has the wrestling chops to, to, you know, um, certainly slow down Valentina. So, you know, Mm. I, uh, I do not hate. I do not hate that matchup. It's it's the only fight. Yeah, I mean, forty nine, forty six. All three judges. So Maya did take a round off of Valentina thanks to that wrestling. So yes, you know, but it, but it was crazy. But she took that one round, mm-hmm. and then that was it. Like Valentina was like, oh, okay, that's what you're gonna try. Boom, shutting you down. Yeah, that was the. If I'm not mistaken, that was the second round, right? Because it was like yeah. one round apiece heading into the third, and then Valentina was like, "I'm never letting that happen again." Yeah. <laughs> All right. <coughs> All right. Uh, so I only have a few minutes left here. You want to give these predictions for champion of every division for next year? Oh shit! Yes. Let, let's jump on that, man. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I got a bunch of people who just walked in the room. I'm gonna kill this for a sec. But if you want to just tee up the segment. All right. So, yes. Now, going into um, 2020, our champions at Flyweight, we got Davison Figueredo. Um, at Bantamweight, we got Peter Yan. At uh, Featherweight, we got 
Alexander Volkanovsky, right? So at lightweight, well, right now it's Khabib. Who knows what's happening with that situation? I think we're going to get some clarity soon. At world weight, we've got Kamara Usman. At um, middleweight, we've got Israel Adesanya. At um, light heavyweight, we've got the Polish hammer, Jan Blaracic. At uh, heavyweight, we've got Stipe Miocic. Now, with the ladies, at strawweight, we've got Weili Yang. At flyweight, we got Valentina Shevchenko. Then at bantamweight and at featherweight, we got Amanda Nunes. So, who out of all of those people retaining those belts? And if they don't retain those belts, who's going to take them? Mm. All right. Uh, so, you want to start? You want to start at the bottom, work our way up? Yeah, why not? All right. I mean, Figueredo. Do you, I mean, the only way I see him losing that belt is if he decides to go up to Bantamweight. Like, I'm, I'm looking at the list here. Pantoja, Roy Val, Bontran, Kaikar France, Matt Schnell, Askarov, uh, Benavidez, obviously, Moreno. No one. No one I see in there who is a real threat. I mean, Figueredo was in the hospital until 2 o'clock in the morning fighting on 21 days notice, Right. And it, Moreno still needed to do everything he possibly could and catch a foul to get a draw. I mean, yeah. But remember, Moreno did fuck his arm up, right? So, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think the second fight will be close. I don't think it's a given that Figueredo wins. Now, the, the one thing that, you you might have to think about is the Stipe Cormier situation because Stipe remember he just taken all those heavy shots off uh, Ungano so would he have been knocked out by Cormier if he, if he hadn't just been coming off of that fight so in the second fight after taking those heavy shots will Moreno be more susceptible to a knockout I mean, I don't know how he couldn't be. I mean, clearly the kid's got a head made out of cement, but I mean, Figueredo through the kitchen sink, you know? So yeah. um, certainly that is going to do some uh, damage to your chin long-term. Yeah, for real. Um, so you think the Figueredo stays a champion throughout 2021? Like I said, the only thing I see standing in his way is if, you know, he makes the jump up to Bantamweight. But even if he does, I don't feel like there's enough uh, interest in that division outside of Figueredo or enough, um, you know, of a, of a no-doubter number one contender, uh, assuming, of course, Figueredo wins the rematch with Moreno, which I think he will handily. Um, you know, so to put yourself in that kind of a situation where it's like, you know, the only guy who could lay claim to the title you just beat... Um, you know, I, I don't think there's enough for the UFC to be like, all right, we need a replacement belt. So even if Figueredo goes up, I still see him, you know, being listed as the champion at the end of 2021, uh, similar to how Khabib retired in July, but he's still considered the champion or mm. whenever Khabib retired. I remember that Garbrandt is still slated to be moving down. Maybe, maybe, you know, it's, 
who knows, dude? Um, like he apparently he was like maybe still thinking about it, but he's open to taking fights at uh at Bantamweight now. You know, like the the it looks like the only reason he was thinking about moving down is to fight for that title immediately. And Dana said that Moreno versus Figueredo is for sure going to be uh that first title defense of uh of twenty twenty one for yeah. Figueredo. So uh, Garbrandt is already talking about taking fights. Uh, oh, with uh, Jose Aldo. Said this oh. week he wanted to fight uh, Jose Aldo, so I don't, okay. I wouldn't bank on Cody Garbrandt going down to 125 right now. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, let's go to bantamweight. Okay. I think Sterling is taking that belt off Yan. Right. Does he hold it? <sighs> I, I agree. I do think Sterling wins that belt, but I think Sterling has to fight again this year. Oh yeah. There's so yeah. many, like there's so many young kids, dude. That the Rob Font that showed up. Uh, last weekend. Oh my god! Such a different man than what I was used to. Um, that guy has championship potential. Uh, Frankie Edgar always has championship potential. Uh, Corey Sanhagen obviously got blitzed by by uh, Aljo in the first fight, but you know. Yeah, I I think Sterling takes the fight, takes the belt, right? I think his biggest threat is Sanhagen. You know, I I can see them doing a series of fights. You know what I mean? I, I think Sterling beats Edgar, right? Um, I, I think he beats Cody, you know? So I think that Sanhagen possibly could become the champion, but then Sterling wins it back. I think it's going to be one of those crazy situations. Um, like three times in the course of like 15 months and they trade the belt once yeah. each. Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't I, hate yeah, that. I can see them fighting three times. I can see Sterling fighting three times um, next year. So, well, yeah. If he I, wins I, and then loses the belt, I could see him coming back for a third yeah. fight. If that third fight is for an immediate rematch for the belt. Because, I mean, that has such a baked-in storyline, too, where it's like, you know, uh, if Aljo goes out there and beats Piotr Jan, um, you know, and San Hagen goes out there and beats Edgar, it's like, all right. I mean, it was, it was over in a minute, whatever, you know, like it was, uh, it was like a, a freak jujitsu thing. Like Sanhagen really didn't take that much damage in the fight. Um, if he was expecting something that would it go differently the next time you could sell that immediate, you could sell that first rematch to me. And then if it's one a piece, you have to have that trilogy bout. Yeah, so. exa- exactly. So that would be, I mean, dude, for, for, uh, all right. So the prediction is Sterling wins the belt, loses the belt, wins it again, ends 21 as champion. I don't yeah. hate it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do. There is a certain side of me that's wondering how the hell Al Jermaine Sterling and Cody Garbrandt have never fought, you know? And it's like, a, there, there's definitely a part of me that, you know, even though I was just saying, I think that the winner of Edgar versus Sanhagen should get the winner of Jan versus, uh, versus Sterling. Um, if there is a situation where Cody Garbrandt comes in, beats somebody like Jose Aldo and looks extremely impressive doing so, I would not mind Cody Garbrandt versus Aljamain Sterling. And that is a fight I think any given night Cody Garbrandt can beat anyone in the Bantamweight division. So, Yeah. And do we see Sean O'Malley come back into the mix he's he's in the mix he's already in the mix quote unquote but i mean he is so far from a title he has he just doesn't have a champion's mentality right like i talking about a guy where he was he came on believe you me right and he's like 
he said it right then and there. He's like, yeah, like I'm undefeated or whatever, but like, I'm going to lose at some point, you know? And like, he, he was saying all the right things, right. Mm. Talking about being humble in victory or defeat and being respectful of his opponents and be like that whole thing. And then just to see how much of a crybaby bitch he's been since losing to, to uh, Marlon Vera is it's, I don't know. To me, he's just not, he's, you know, million dollar talent, 10 cent head still. So you know, I, I think it's going to be 2022 before that guy snips the title shot. There, there is that. But then I did see that he entered a jiu-jitsu competition, right? And not a big jiu-jitsu, just went, competed. And I thought that kind of speaks highly. So hope, I'm hoping that, you know, he, he gets his head straight and, uh, yeah, he's, he's focused back on, you know. We'll see, dude. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm cannot tell you. There's one fighter whose stock plummeted through the floor for me more than anyone this year, and it has nothing to do with what happened in the cage because I, I still feel. I mean, that knockout of um, we were talking about it last week. Uh, Eddie Wineland was absolutely incredible, and I, oh, yeah. I, I remember I was doing a live show for the Dad Meat guys uh, in, in Philly, and I said as they were walking out, I was like, if, if. Uh, Sean O'Malley wins this fight. He will be fighting for a title uh, by the end of 2021. Um, mm. Like he was certainly on that trajectory to, oh, to being sure. a champion. Um, you know, and it's not the loss; it's how he handled it. Like you look at Conor McGregor when Conor McGregor lost to Nate Diaz, came out fair play to Nate. Good, uh, he was the better man tonight. Yeah. It is what it is. I take my loss. Like just so humble and gracious in defeat um you know to be still to to be gloating while marlon vera is having his back ridden by jose aldo a legit legit brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt um you know you like and that's how aldo won that fight by a hundred percent uh realizing that he no longer could compete in a striking battle with marlon cheeto vera in that third round instead he takes his back and jiu-jitsu's his way to a win I don't see how you go around bragging about another man. So like, that's so crazy to me. Um, that just disgusted by that behavior. Sorry about like, just to go on a rant there. No, no, no. It's all very valid. Yeah. It is impacted O'Malley for sure. Okay. Alexander Volkanovsky. Does he retain that belt? Because I kind of think the Brian Ortega we saw against zombie i think he wins the belt it's tough because it's like you know with somebody like volkanovsky he's built like a fucking fire hydrant so it's like how do you jujitsu that guy you know what i mean like <laughs> are his limbs long enough to fucking catch you know like it's there is something just weird about his build for somebody like ortega to 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 um you know to, to try to use jujitsu but certainly that striking that he put on display against korean zombie was was next level i there is something about me with volkanovsky where it's like all right if he was able to do that against Holloway. Ortega's striking isn't there, you know, like it's not to the level of Max Holloway and Volkanovsky was able to weather the storm, work his way inside and just, you know, uh, uh, do enough on the cards to get that win. I got a weird one for you though. Okay. I could see a world in which Henry Cejudo is Comes at back. one point in 2021, the featherweight champion. Yeah, I, I, I definitely could see that. I definitely can see Henry coming back, taking that fight. I, I think if Volkanovski beats Ortega, 
Cejudo's coming. I agree. I don't think Cejudo wants any part of Ortega. Ortega is just too big for somebody like Cejudo. Uh, But yeah, if Volkanovski is able to retain that title, I could see, um, I could see Cejudo coming back to fight, um, you know, to fight Volkanovski. And then if he beats Volkanovski, it's, it's, you know, we're already talking what March or February is the, or February is the Ortega fight, right? I'm not quite sure. I I haven't seen it on a schedule yet, but there are a few cards with no, headliners or anything like that yeah i think they're targeting it for um what the hell uh, uh february date yeah uh alexander volkanovsky ortega probable for february date according to dana white that's what he's targeting for the february pay-per-view so you know mm-hmm. if that's your february pay-per-view sometime in uh you know you got to figure at least the three-month turnaround so may june july somewhere in there uh Cejudo versus volkanovsky. So it could be international fight week it could be, but I feel like they really, I don't know, like if Cejudo's coming back and Cejudo wants that money, he wants that giant paycheck like he's claiming he wants, I feel like that would have to be its own standalone card to pay him, you know, the level that he needs to get paid. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like International Fight Week is going to be either uh, Israel Adesanya versus John Jones or John Jones versus the winner of Stipe versus Ngannou. So, you know, I don't see Cejudo in the co-main event there against Volkanovski making a ton of sense. So uh, I could see like an August card, you know, maybe a June card uh, with uh, with Cejudo versus Volkanovski if Volkanovski gets the win there. And then, yeah. you know, I mean, Cejudo doesn't like – he's not that active. You know what I mean? Like he's not constantly defending that belt. I think, what, Cejudo went a year between – uh, winning the, the, the belt and then defending it, if I'm not mistaken? I think he got injured. He I think he tore his shoulder. In the Dillashaw fight? Yes, or train, or in training. I think he hurt himself, and that's what the, uh, the gap was. Yeah, so he had the Marais fight in June of uh, 2019, and then again, he didn't fight again until May of 2020. The pandemic might have had something to do with that. Who knows? But... Um, yeah, certainly, uh, he's not, like I said, he's just not the most active fighter. Um, you know, I'm looking here, like, it looks like his quickest turnaround was the, uh, January to June when he beat TJ and then went up to Bantamweight to fight Marais for the interim title. Like if he's not, if he's not chasing a belt, there's no reason for him to, to turn around that quickly. I could see him just riding out the end of 2021 with that you know, featherweight strap and proclaiming himself to be quadruple C and all that horse shit. So, well, yeah, yeah I, I could see him winning and dusting. You think? I, I could, yeah, I wouldn't be, uh, I don't see him coming seen. back for, I, cause it's, it's, you make the money as a champion by defending as a champion, you know? So, you know, like there, there is a certain side of me where it's like, if he comes back, uh, wins that belt, then a fight against Max Holloway, uh, for the title is a giant pay. That's a, that's a moneymaker for him. And it seems like that's what he's focused on is like, if I'm coming back, it's for gigantic paydays. And that feels like two big paydays back to back. Well, imagine if Dillashaw wins back his belt. And uh, you know what I mean? Sahudo's back. He's won that. I could see that happening. So you're saying Sahudo right, goes from a guy who fought TJ at flyweight to telling TJ, come up to featherweight if you want the rematch? No, I, I, I'd imagine I could see them f- meeting at Bantamweight or something. So, like, Cejudo wins the featherweight title from Volkanovski, then says, fuck it, I want, I want 
I want the double belt again. I'm going back down to Bantamweight to beat. Like he's he's just like that uh, like that Conor McGregor meme with like, give me that belt, give me that belt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that okay. All right. I don't hate it. I don't hate that prediction. Uh, I don't see a path for Dillashaw uh, to getting that title. I mean, Dillashaw, like you know, coming back, he he, you know, the he Aldo called for that fight. I know Rob Font called for that fight. There's a number yeah. of guys who want to fight Dillashaw. I mean, Bantamweight has so many good, hungry prospects right now who have, you know, legitimate resumes like the Sanhagens, like the Sterlings, like the Frankie Edgars, where it's like, dude, you PJ are going to need to do quite a bit to get yourself back in the title contention, in my mind, at least. Oh, no, yeah, I definitely. I don't think TJ gets an automatic title shot. Don't think he, he deserves it. I think he only admitted to uh, taking the drugs because he got caught. If he yeah. hadn't have got caught, he wouldn't be saying shit. No, no, no. So, yeah. Who would? Who would? Um... <laughs> All right. Uh, lightweight. Yeah. Now, Khabib said, right, he says that uh, UFC 257 will most likely be for the belt. That's his biggest indication that Khabib ain't coming back to defend wait, that wait, belt. Wait, wait, what? Who said this? Khabib. Khabib said that UFC 257, that's McGregor versus Poirier? Yeah, he said it, um, he, the quote came out a couple of days ago, I believe, and it was just like, um, I, I still haven't met with Dana yet, I'll be meeting with him in a couple of weeks' time, but I imagine that UFC will be for the belt, right? They, they, they need well, to offer know. me something for the comeback. So what I'm reading here is Khabib says he believes the winner of that main event will fight for the title, right? but I don't think it's going to be against him. He did come out and say, what he said was, they got to offer me something. It wasn't money. It was an opponent. Well, and this is a thing, right? You guys didn't talk about it the other day on BYM. I think they offer him George St. Pierre. Because George George has been, he cut, he did a weight cut the other day. And there's pictures of him on social media. The pictures of him on social media, he's got hair. The hair freaks me out. I, I always look at the picture and go, who the fuck is, oh, it's Simpia, right? I, was, I, I just always imagined him with the, the, clean, the clean dome. But uh, yeah, Ooh, I, I think Dana... An announcement tomorrow. Yeah, I, I think for Dana offers Wednesday. him GSP. So, I mean, look, yeah, apparently the, uh, oh, New Year, new team, new announcement. What is this new team? He's done with TriStar? Who? I mean, he said, uh, George said, new uh, new year, new team, new... Oh, dude, that hair is ridiculous, by the way. <laughs> that hair is... Like, I was picturing, like, like when you said hair, I was thinking, like, the Khabib, right? Like, with the really short, you know, like, like no. he's got hair like I got hair, you know? Like, no, dude, he's got, like, Charles Oliveira hair. That is bonkers. Um, yeah, I mean, look, dude, I... At the end of the day, that's the only fight I see bringing GSP back. It's the only fight I see bringing Khabib back. It's, you know, it's the only fight where you can literally look at that and be like, okay, these guys are fighting for who is the greatest to ever do it. So, yeah, yeah obviously. And not? what do you think about Ultimate Fighter coaches? Yeah. I mean, I don't hate it. Look, they said they want to bring back the, the Ultimate Fighter. They're that would be a big way to do it. 
Yeah, but it's like, all right, like you're gonna have two of the worst shit talkers post against <laughs> each other. On- <laughs> what? What? Yeah. I mean, um, it, it, that's it, a crazy one. It won't work for that. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't really. Matter. I mean, like, just as a. I don't know. Like, I think it would be cool in the sense of like, I feel like they would be super respectful of each other and almost like teaching each other things. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. giving each other pointers. Like I'm just so excited to test my martial arts skill against your martial arts skill. Like, um, you know, that that's an interesting one and I don't hate it. Um, but yeah, I, I just think like, yeah, if you're going to have Khabib come back, it's to fight GSP at, you know, it doesn't need to be at 155. It could be at 170. You know, it could be, it could be, you know, there, there's a number of different ways that you could slice that. But I remember I was live in the crowd when uh, it was that Colby versus Robbie card. I was, I was super duper close and we saw GSP come out. I think he came out with Trevin Giles, if I'm not mistaken. And like, he got the biggest pop of the night, you know, oh, just okay. being in Giles's corner. And it's like, he was, he looked like he was already well on his way to one, uh, 155. So yeah. there's no doubt in my mind he could make that weight if he needed to. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, have those two fight each other. I think with McGregor targeting this Pacquiao fight, um, you know, over the summer, I don't, I just don't see a pat. Like, I think McGregor does more for the belt than the belt does for McGregor. So it doesn't make sense to just put that interim strap on the line against Poirier in a fight that pretty much everybody expects him to win. Um, you know, for me, my my dark horse for the champion at 155 is the same guy who was my dark horse coming into 2020, and that's Charles Oliveira. You know, okay. he has, like, literally, the guy has shored up every single hole in his game. You know, he's always been a nasty submission specialist, but what he can do on the feet now is absolutely terrifying um you know so i do see him being a uh i i see him as the guy who leaves he enters 2021 with the most complete skill set in the division and i think he you know the guy who fought tony ferguson could beat anyone in that top five right now so that's my pick for 2021 champion interesting i i am i can see um connor getting the belt and then i can see him Losing the belt on inactivity. I like. I think the UFC has played that game enough where they're they're done with that with Connor. You know what I mean? Like they're just we're not. That's the reason that the belt isn't on the line for this fight in my mind. It has nothing to do with Khabib because I I believe Dana knows I'm not getting Khabib back for another fight at 155. He's never getting that Connor rematch. It's just not going to happen. Khabib yeah. has no interest in it. He hates Khabib enough. He hates McGregor enough that he's never going to give it to him, which is the ultimate troll job, and I respect the fuck out of that. Um, but, like, yeah, dude, like, there's no – there's nothing for him 155. I genuinely do feel that uh, Dana doesn't want to create another paper belt only to have that belt held up, right? No. I, I don't think Connor fights Pacquiao. And there's uh, Well – it's Pacquiao's manager that announced that the fight was happening. There's n- there was no actual proof. And Connor was only talking about it because he was inactive. So I, I, think, if, I think if the UFC says to Connor, all right, you can fight for the belt, but you defend that belt, right? I, I think that would be the caveat. So if Connor wins, the, if Connor fights for the belt, there's no Pacquiao fight. 
no. fuck that. Connor doesn't bust his balls for anyone. Uh, if you're talking about taking money out of Connor's pocket to help the UFC, that's you know that is one way traffic, my friend. That is never never happening um i think that connor um yeah i feel like connor definitely uh definitely does um you know i i connor comes back i think he beats poirier uh i think that he has this fight with pacquiao set up because if you remember that fight the the lion's share of that money from that fight is going to charity and if you want to talk about you know rehabbing conor mcgregor's image you know, uh, walking into those hospitals with the PPE at the height of the pandemic, uh, donating money to save the uh, SBG out of, where was it, Belfast or, um, you know, wherever yeah. the, whatever the city was where, where he helped out an old training partner and saved his gym. Like, that's the kind of thing where it's like, all right, we are doing public relations, Connor, right now, because you're only going to be fighting for a few more years. You have the rest of your life to sell whiskey and promote fights for other fighters, you know? So mm-hmm. make sure that you're leaving on a high note. And what's a bigger high note than fighting Manny Pacquiao, generating a million, a hundred million dollars, and then donating the lion's share to that to people who are fucking broke destitute out of work because of this fucking COVID thing like that is you know that you don't you can't buy PR like that and it's certainly a bigger deal to McGregor in my mind than having another fucking belt he's never defended a belt in the in cage warriors never defended a belt in the UFC I don't think he has any interest in doing that right the 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 path to victory for him is just getting that fucking belt putting it on his mantle and then running away so uh win the Poirier fight fight Pacquiao in the meantime give me uh Oliveira versus the winner of Chandler versus Hooker Oliveira versus you know uh, Justin Gaethje Oliveira versus you know whoever you know Oliveira has the best skill set of anybody in the top five right now that's my guy for 2021 interesting okay and I think right now Oliveira beats the shit out of Conor McGregor just putting that out there because Charles Oliveira can stand with anyone, can eat big shots from anyone, and if he gets his limbs around you and can somehow work his way to the ground against you, he's going to choke Conor McGregor the fuck out. There's no way Conor defends himself in a jiu-jitsu match against Charles Oliveira, period. I don't know. I don't know. I think in a stand-up, Conor still wins in a stand-up against Oliveira. Yeah, I mean, you, Conor wins in a stand-up against literally name any UFC opponent. <laughs> Right, literally, he's got the best striking of anyone. But Oliveira can get that fight to the ground, and Oliveira can motherfuck you on the ground. True, very true. It will be in- it be interesting for sure. I would love to see it. I would love to see it. Hmm. All right. So, does Usman retain that belt? Yes. Like, and keep it all year. I mean, dude, the, the Gilbert Fern Burns fight is interesting, kind of, um, you know. I mean, dude, we just saw what he did against Masvidal. He only had one fight last year, so I wouldn't be shocked if he, again, only fights, you know, one fight in 2021. That fight is against Gilbert Burns. He gets that win. He goes home, you know. I mean, other than that, who's he going to fight? You know, the winner of Leon Edwards versus whoever. He's already beaten Leon Edwards. What are we doing here? Is Kamar Usman is going to go down in my mind as the greatest welterweight of all time and the most boring champion of my lifetime. Could not care less about Kamar Usman. He does absolutely nothing for me. I will never spend money on a Kamar Usman pay-per-view, but he's a dominant champion. He is. I don't think he's got long left. I think his knees are fucked. Are they? Yeah. He, he said that he has to he has to walk on grass, like because walking on pavement just kills his He's just fucked his cartilage. 
Okay. Um, I think he's lost the meniscus in between the knee through wrestling. So it's bone on bone. So I don't think he's got many fights. Okay, yeah. give me the Burns win. And then, I mean, literally, who else is there? He's going to fight Covington again? No. Uh, he's going to fight Edwards? Maybe. Easy win for him, in my opinion, if he does fight him again. Um, Masvidal, that wasn't even a little competitive. Stephen Thompson is sort of kind of interesting. Maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah, I, I think Edwards and Thompson are the two likely fights. Right. You know, I don't see either one beating him. I just don't. No. So, no. Yeah, neither do I. Unless he retires, Usman is the champion at the end of one at the end of uh, 2021. Yeah. Middleweight. Do you think Izzy stays at 205? I mean, it's, it's a tough biz, right? There's, he's saying that he's not going to put on any weight, right? And he's just going to go in there at That's what he walks around at, which I think I've heard is about 190, 190-something. 190 hmm. So I, I think, I mean, I, I, I think he might come back down because, it, like, there are some huge people at 205. Right. So I, I think you, you might do what yeah, Anderson said. Blockovich go up, fight them, one or two, and come back down. Sure. Blockovich is one of the bigger guys at 205. So what are yeah. we doing here? You know, I think, that, I think the reason he goes up there is to win. If he goes up there, wins the title, and then fights John Jones in International Fight Week, that's the biggest fight the UFC can reasonably book right now. So yeah. uh, that makes sense to me. At that point, what – what do you do? You're going to go back down to 185 and defend your title? What? What? You just I mean, I, I think you retire. Right. I think so, you beat John Jones and retire. So I don't think there's, I don't think he's going to be the champion at 185 this time next year. I just don't. No. Uh, in no. my mind, the Darren Till could have beaten Robert Whitaker. Uh, if that was a five round fight, he might have beaten Robert Whitaker. Who knows? Um, wait, was that a five round fight? No. It was a three-rounder, right? Yeah. Right? Am I? Yeah. No, it was. It was a five-round main event. Yeah. Was it a okay. five? It was a five-rounder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, was, uh, it was a fight night headliner. So, I mean, Till could have won that fight. I think Till could win a rematch. I think Robert Whitaker is heads and shoulders above everybody in that division other than Darren Till. So, uh, yeah, Whitaker, I think, will be a champion. Um, you know, and then, uh, yeah, if he does fight Darren Till again, who knows? But I think that is my, uh, that's my pick for the end of 2021 would be uh, Robert Whitaker. All right, I'm saying Kevin Holland. Don't hate it. Don't hate it. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, Holland is, you know, he was there against Jacare, but I mean, you know, Robert Whitaker beat Jacare to get the title shot in what 2018. Yeah, and Jacare hasn't been back to that elite level since. So until he gets there against a real, real contender in today's. Uh, middleweight division, right? Meaning the Marvin Vittori's, the Darren Tills, Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa, somebody of that ilk, I can't put Kevin Holland in title discussions. I just can't. You know, Till oh, has yeah, to win. Not, so not quite yet, but, you know, Holland fights five times a year. So <laughs> I, I, mean, I think by the end of 2021, Holland gets that shot. And he definitely talks enough shit to get that shot. So, you know. Um, all right, light heavyweight. Um, fuck it. I'm going to say 
Uh, I mean, well, I was going to say Izzy because I want to see that John Jones fight. Sure. But I would love Glover to get that belt. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Here's my problem, right? If Izzy goes up there, beats Blockovich, which is going to happen early next year, like March, right? Yeah. Does the quick turnaround, not quick, but whatever turnaround to fight uh, Jones in July, right? For International Fight Week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's two light heavyweight fights in, uh, in of the year. I don't see him fighting a third. Um, you know, so maybe he, maybe he retires, right? But, you know, I don't know. I, I think it, it's tough because I think if Jones does go back down to 205 and beats Izzy, I still feel like the jump has to happen. He'll vacate again. Oh, yeah. Go no, right back yeah. Up to to heavyweight. Sure. Yeah, so, for sure. Jones will beat Izz and then go back to heavyweight. Right. That's Here's the what. interesting thing. Blockovich beats Israel Adesanya. What happens then, right? At then that Glover. point, it gets interesting. Um, you think Glover? You think Glover is the... I mean, because it's I, like that, that fight is happening in March. That Glover fight could happen in July again, yeah. right? Like that same turnaround window. That You still got five more months left in 2021. I don't know. Alexander Rakic is chilling there. Um no. Oh yeah, yeah. So technically, there could be there could be another defense at the end of the year, right? Then Yuri Prohaska, that's not a bad one, right there. That motherfucker is a beast. Yeah, uh, I, I, I wouldn't. Be, I, yeah, I kind of feel that. Yeah, Prohaska could. He could be the champion. Yeah, I mean, Rakic and Prohaska. That apparently that fight might be happening. So, no, gonna... it's Rakic against Santos. Oh, is it really? It's Rackage against Santos. All right, Bubba. I, uh, that's interesting. Hmm. So if Rackage beats Santos, then he is right there. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't hate San- I would not hate a Santos versus uh, Blagovich fight. I wouldn't hate, you know. Yeah. I think Prokaska is fighting Reyes. That's a great fight. Yeah. God, light heavyweight is so stacked right now. Um, yeah, you know what? Screw it. I, I want to see Glover get the win and 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 hold it. Maybe Glover gets the win and then just you know goes running for the hills. You know, goes back to Danbury, Connecticut, celebrates for a little bit, doesn't defend again until Super Bowl twenty twenty two. Let's say Glover to share end of twenty twenty one. Heavyweight, this is an easy one for me. Francis Ngannou. Francis beats Stipe. Stipe is already one foot out the door. He's been very clear about that over and over again. Whenever guys are talking about retiring, it's time for them to retire. If he was fighting anybody other than Daniel Cormier, who says that he had already essentially retired in his own mind after his back surgery fight in the Derek Lewis fight, that, uh, you know, I I think Stipe would have been in for a world of hurt there. Um, You know, I think Ngannou certainly gets that win and, and, uh, you know, defends that belt. Nobody's taking that belt for fucking Ngannou. John Jones? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hurts John Jones bad. Um, agree, disagree. I think John could beat Francis. I don't. <laughs> it's just not there. He's too small, dude. The chicken legs. It's, dude. Like there. I genuinely do think if fucking Angana wins that belt, John Jones goes running back to two hundred five. See, the thing is, right in the fight against some um, Rosenstruck, Angano just rushed him. Yeah. There was no finesse to that. So I think, no, but I think if, if Francis does that to Jones, mm-hmm. double leg takedown, he controls him on the ground. Maybe. I don't know, dude. I've seen Nganu working on his wrestling. He's been getting back up. Um, so I don't know. I mean, in my mind, that dude is just, you don't bet against that kind of power. Um, 
So you think John Jones? I think John Jones. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right. I have another show starting here in literally one minute, so I'm just going to bring three. Uh, I'm going to say it's tough, 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 tough. Uh, Suarez not even listed anymore for 115. What's going on there? No. I think mean, it's the inactivity because she That's hasn't crazy. fought in two years. Three right, I'm going to go on a limb and say Rose Nama Yunus, Jessica Andrade, and Nunez Nunez. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Who do you got for? I mean, I think Nunez Nunez is across the board. Nobody's beating her at Bantamweight, right? Unless Valentina goes back up. Yeah. And I don't think she does. Yeah, I think Nunez just keeps those belts. All right. Who do you got for strawweight and flyweight? Um, like, strawweight is tough. I mean, strawweight, I can see, I can see Wei Li holding it. I think it all depends on the development of, like, Amanda Rebass Fair. In, in that division. Um, and then in flyweight, I, yeah, I think Valentina. Right. It's tough, dude. I don't know. I think Andrade is just uh, – I'm, I'm rooting for because I love her, all right, and there's something weird about her. Little Justin Bieber look that I'm somehow attracted to. But, all right, dude. Um, all right. Uh, I got to run. Yeah. Thank you, right. Mike. Um, yeah. All right, dude. Check me out. Uh, yeah, DM me if you think I'm an idiot about any of these at – uh, them Harrington on uh, Instagram, Twitter, all those fun places. Catch me on the BYM pod. And, you know, if you're looking for more of my nonsense, uh, not MMA-wise, Notes of a Goon uh, is a show I produce for Chris from Brooklyn. Uh, you can get that on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, dude. Kevin, thanks so much for having me, brother. Thank you, man. Take it easy. Peace. <laughs>Hope you enjoyed that. Always fun to have uh, Harrington on the podcast. Um, We'll see if we can get him back for a future occasion in 2021. But as we've reached that time, let's take a look and see what's happening in the fight world. Well, um, yeah, we've got a few fights being announced. And, um, yo, Kai Kara France, he announced that uh, he's just signed a new four-fight contract with the UFC. And he's indicated that he's got a big fight announcement coming soon. So that is, uh, that's always fun, right? So we will uh, keep our eyes peeled for that one. Now... Leading into the UFC's return on the 16th, someone that won't be making that walk, unfortunately, is Anthony Hernandez, who, um, yeah, he's tested positive for COVID, so his fight with Rodolfo Vieira, um, it won't be happening on the 16th, but it has been rescheduled for... um, I believe it's UFC 258 on the 13th of February. I think that's the date of the pay-per-view. But yeah, that's definitely when the fight has been uh, rescheduled for. 
Someone else who won't be making that walk on the 16th is um, Brian Kelleher. He's out of his fight against Ricky Simone. Um, yeah, unfortunately, again, due to uh, COVID. Now, moving to the Wednesday card on the 20th, um, Issy uh, Fit Kefu is out of um, his fight against Dauchi Lamambuya. Unfortunately, I think he obtained a shoulder injury. Uh, but, hey, good news because Marcus Perez, he is stepping in. Uh, so that fight is going to happen. Um, Lamambuya will stay on the card. Now, uh, I think one of the biggest bits of fight news coming um, this week, it has been confirmed, Michael Chandler is going to be fighting Dan Hooker at UFC 257 on the 23rd of January. Now, I think an interesting point was... Uh, Dana White revealed that they were actually looking to book um, Charles Oliveira But Oliveira couldn't make the way Maybe went a little too hard over Christmas But, hey, opened up a huge opportunity for Dan Hooker And um, he is never one to look a gift horse in the mouth And that's a great fight, people um, so, um, moving to February, on the 20th to be exact, Sergey Spivak will be fighting Jared um, Vandenera, which, you know, I'm glad they kept that fight intact. It was meant to happen, oh, I want to say on the 12th of December. It might have been the, the week before on the 6th. I think it was the 12th. But, uh, yeah, Van De Nira, he, um he had COVID. So, um, yeah, I'm glad they kept it intact because it's intriguing. And he called for it after getting his contract on the Contender Series. And then, finally, this is a great fight. On the 27th of March, Johnny Walker will be fighting Jimmy Crew. That's a great one. You know what I mean? Because, hey, Crew is definitely on the surge. Walker is back to winning ways. But right now, right now, people, I'm like, can anyone stop Jimmy Crew? You know? Anyone, at, you know what I mean, on the outskirts of that top 10, that is. Hey, looking forward to that fight. But people, that is us. We are done. On Wednesday, we will be back. And um, we're going to be looking at some cards, you know, wasn't able to get round to, um, you know, previously. So, uh, yeah, should be a fun one, people. Until then... Puppets!